Um, hey, before I get into the message, I have uh, two things I want to do. Uh, the first thing is, if you missed last weekend, um, you missed a great message. Phil and Jan Strout were here. They're the national leaders of the, of the vineyard movement here in the United States, and, and uh, Phil spoke. It was excellent, so uh, make sure you pick that up. We have a free copy on the, on the uh, info uh, counter there. There's a CD you can grab or go online and listen to it on our website, but uh, you'll be encouraged and inspired. It was, it was excellent. So number two is this. I know that you have been praying uh, for Danny and Penny. You know that Penny is battling cancer and going through a stem cell transplant right now, and we have a greeting from them, a video that they sent, so uh, enjoy this. Hi guys, we just wanted to check in. We just got admitted to uh, the James for the stem cell transplant. We miss you so much, we, we really love you. It's just strange being in town and not being with you on the weekend services mm -hmm. and for other events. Mm -hmm. But uh, we want you to know that your, your notes, your uh, emails, texts, uh, Facebook messages have been so greatly appreciated. Uh, we, we know you're in wonderful hands. We hear great things going on at the church and, yeah. and uh, through the, the uh, conference this last weekend with the region. We, we wish we could be with you, but uh, over these next uh, couple of months, we'll probably have to be pretty scarce as Penny gets the uh, chemo first and then the, the stem cells and, and rebuilds her immune system and hopefully is in a long-term remission. And as Danny said, we do miss you so much, and we so wish we could be there with you. And we so appreciate all your support, all your prayers. So many of you have been telling me you're praying for us, and we so, I can't tell you how much we appreciate that. And we want you to know we're praying for you guys too, but hopefully we'll be back with you before you know it and uh, we can get back to normal. Right, we're, we're doing well. Penny's feeling pretty good right now. Probably the next uh, week or so, things will go downhill a little bit and then, then turn back uh, to upswing and, and feeling better after that. The Lord's been so gracious mm -hmm. to us, drawing near yes. to us, giving us his peace. Uh, and again, we, we love him. We love you so much. Mm -hmm. And we'll see you before you know it. God love, bless you all. Love you guys. <laughs> All right, so uh, please, as I know you are, please continue praying. I know uh, Danny said that they can feel prayers, they feel really carried through this, and we will send updates as we get them from Danny, and, um, but we'll keep you posted. But again, thanks for praying, and, and please keep praying. Um, we're in a series called The Church in Motion. It's, uh, we're going through the book of Acts, and tonight, or this morning... Uh, it's tonight somewhere, but this morning uh, we're looking at Acts 14, and in Acts 14, uh, Paul ends his first missionary journey, and one of the things that uh, jumped out at me as I was studying this week is there's this consistency that, that follows Paul, and what I mean is this, you know, Paul and Barnabas, they've been on this journey, they go into these towns and cities, and, and, it's, and, and as they go in to these different locations, they go in, they start talking about Jesus, and 
and, and uh, praying for people. And it seems like everywhere they go, there's either one of two uh, responses to the message. And one is, it's either this, it, uh, this full-on acceptance where people just embrace the message and loads of people say yes to Jesus and they're believers. Uh, there's signs and wonders. There's miracles going on. Or it seems like there's, on the, on the other end of the spectrum, just full rejection of the message where literally, I mean, they're run out of town. People are, you know, pelting Paul with stones. And it says in your notes, uh, highs and lows. And what, what jumped out at me is uh, the results. As they went out as witnesses, as they went out doing what, what God told them to do, spreading this message, the results were, were literally all over the map. And that got me thinking. And wouldn't you agree that, uh, that we live in, in, a, in a culture where we are incredibly results-oriented, right? Where literally we sort of determine where we're at in the pecking order uh, by results. So like, how are you doing in school? The first thing you go to is, well, here, these are my grades. How's business going? The first thing you go to, well, here's our bottom line or here's our, here's our profits. How's the, you know, how's the health? How's the fitness going? It's first thing you do is you look at the scale, right? It's, it's results-oriented and results, it's through results that we determine uh, whether or not we're being effective in, in whatever we're, we're, we're talking about, right? Now, that's dangerous when we bring that same orientation into this whole thing of being witnesses. This whole series, this Church in Motion series, it's all based on when Jesus, you know, just before he exited stage up, uh, looked at his followers and said, okay, I'm going. Now I want you guys to take the message, take everything you've heard me say Everything you've seen me do, now you go say it, and now you go do it. And that, that command has been for every generation, and it's the same command for us. That as followers of Jesus, that we're as witnesses in this world, and we get to you know, share that story and, 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 and love on people and serve people in all these different ways. Well, if, if we're looking for results, or if our orientation is, is all around results, we're going to be in trouble. Because we're talking people's lives. We're talking people's minds, people's hearts. And so the results are very much out of our control. And we need to remind ourselves that when God said to you or said to me, hey, come follow me, that, that his biggest concern was not what we would accomplish. His biggest concern was whether or not you or I would say yes to his call. That was the number one thing for him, say yes. John 519, this is the example. This is how Jesus lived his life. It's a uh, popular verse in the vineyard. Uh, Jesus gives them this answer. He's being questioned about how he, you know, the decisions he makes. And he says, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. That's our example in this life. Our example is we just participate with the father. Right? The results are up to him. We, we, our job is to follow him and, and to keep in step with him. And, and, if, and really, if we are scored on anything, what we're scored on is whether or not we participate with, with the Father. Um, maybe this uh, will, will make more sense. I, uh, I have a friend who used to be a school teacher. He's long uh, retired. And he told me a story once where he had this class. He taught high school. He taught uh, uh, grade 12. And he had a class that was like the class everybody wanted to get into, but it was a uh, small, uh, small class, like only 20 students could get in, and he would handpick the students. And uh, one year he had this girl uh, come to him and say, 
please, I've got to get in your class. And, and he knew this girl because you know, he, he was a teacher there. He'd seen her all these years in high school. And he knew that she was a very high achiever. He knew that she was a, uh, um, you know, a very hard worker. He also knew that she was a very stressed out, anxious student. And here she is begging him, please, I've got to get in your class. And he looks at her and he says this to her. He says, okay, you can come into my class under one condition. You let me give you an A for the year right now. And all you need to do is show up and participate. Now, this is a true story. Okay? I'm not making this up. It's not you know, from sermon.com. <laughs> now, how do you think, right? You got an A. Before you've done anything, you've got an A. Now, how do you think that affected this young gal? She had a blast that year. Do you think she just sloughed off and just, you know, doodled through the class? He said she worked harder than he's ever seen her work because the pressure was off. The results didn't matter. All she had to do was show up and enjoy the class. Now, in this whole, this series we've been in, this whole thing of, you know, uh, we're all called to be witnesses, not just people who work in churches. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're a missionary. If you remember a couple weeks ago, you're, you're a sent one. You've got something to give to the people in your life, right? In this whole area, would it affect you or how would it affect you if you knew you already got an A in the area of being a witness? And all you have to do for the rest of your, of your life is just show up and participate. Like, would that make a difference for you? I mean, wouldn't it take the pressure off? You could actually have fun. You wouldn't see people as a burden. Oh, i got to fix this guy. Because that's not your job. See, in what we see in Paul's life and uh, through all these journeys that he does, and what we're going to see this morning is Paul models this well. Paul, 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 Paul which is his uh, Lithuanian name, Paul. I don't want to go too deep. We're just getting going. Paul had a great passion for the mission. That's obvious in the way he lived his life. But he also had great clarity on what his role was, show up and participate. He had a great understanding that the results were out of his control. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into Acts 14. So Lord, uh, thank you for uh, video. Thank you that we, uh, for the message from Danny and Penny. We love them, and uh, we uh, just continue to pray healing for Penny Lord, grace for Danny, for Penny, for the Meyer fan, family, for JT, for Laura, for just, we, we pray that you would watch over them, protect them. Lord, I, I, I thank you. I pray even now that you would just put your arms around them and hug them. Let them know that we love them and that we're praying for them. Lord, I pray this morning, you know who's here. You know what I'm going to say, and I pray that you would be personal with each one. You would, uh, you would surprise us this morning with how close you are and, and just with how much you know us. So just come have your way today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Acts 14. <clears throat> we have Bibles at the front and the back. Uh, turn to it in your Bible, or as Phil said last week, uh, click on your devices. Uh, you can look up <laughs> Acts 14, and we'll read. We'll start with verses 1 to 4. All right, here's what it says. <clears throat> 14 verse 1. <clears throat> At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. 
But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews while others with the apostles. Okay, we'll stop there. All right. So we see this over and over in, as Paul goes about his journeys that he pulls into a town and the first thing he typically does is he goes to the synagogue. And really what they're saying there is he's going to where the people are gathered. It's like going to the town square. He's going to where the crowd is. And he gets there and Paul, you know, he starts preaching. And what I want to focus on and really just carrying on the introduction is when I look at what we just read is that everyone heard the same message and yet the responses, like I said, highs and lows, the responses or the results of Paul's message was just all over the map. It was, you know, all these highs and lows. And, and it says in your notes, number one there, it says a farmer's heart. And here's what I mean by this. And I know that there are farmers here, and I am not a farmer, so please no heckling if you're a farmer. Uh, uh, have, have grace. But, but here's what I mean by this. When this whole thing of, of our part and, and the results being out of our control, <clears throat> when I look at a farmer... To me, farmers have this, this unique relationship with the land, right? Like they, they have this, an, an understanding where they know I've got a part to play, but there's a part that, that's out of my control as a farmer. And what I mean is, and now I'm going to get technical, but I know they put seeds in the ground, and they probably water them, and I'm sure there's fertilizing, unless they're organic, then they do other types of fertilizing. But, but once that seed's in the ground... A farmer understands that it's out of their control whether that's going to grow or not. I, think, I don't know if that's oversimplifying it, but I think that's, that's pretty accurate. And even though, of course, the, the desire is that there'd be a massive harvest, there's an understanding that once that seed's in the ground, it's out of the, the, the farmer's control. The results are out of their control. And, you know, when we look at Paul, Paul's a great farmer. You know, everywhere he goes, every opportunity he gets, he's planting seeds he's planting kingdom seeds he's preaching out seeds and it's like it's like he's, he's fully aware that the results are out of his control he know my he knows that his job is just Paul get out there and plant all the seeds that you can and and it's the same for us you and I uh, in these fields that we've been given and we've used this word spheres over and over like I look at you know how many ever many people are here today I bet you guys are connected to, like, there's probably thousands of people represented here. You know what I mean? People that you rub up against during the week, people, your neighbors, etc., etc., etc. Those are the fields you've been given to farm. And we get to, as we live our lives, our, what our job is, is just to, to, to plant uh, lots of kingdom seeds. But after those seeds are planted, the results, that's out of our control, what happens with those seeds is totally in God's uh, hands. Last week or two weeks ago when we had the pastor's conference here, <clears throat> we had like, like 250 pastors and leaders in this room. And, and Phil Strout, the, the gentleman I talked about, our national leader, he said something that was, I thought was awesome. He said this. We got a quote here. It's time to take the pressure off of pastors and to put it back on God. And that applies to us. It's time to take the pressure off of you and I and to put it back on God. And I don't mean that in like some disrespectful, like, you know, two-year-old to an adult way. What I mean is it's time to take off of you and I what we were not built to carry or do. 
right? The results of our, the seeds that we plant, that's not on us. That's his responsibility. It is not our responsibility. It's time for us to take the pressure of fixing people, of changing people, of whatever the need is that you see. That's something that only God can do. Uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 6 says this. Paul speaking again. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. And that, what that means is we'll all get an A according to our own labor. And we plant, but the miracle of growth, the miracle of change, the miracle of healing, and on and on and on, it's not on you. It's on him. Now, let's get practical. So what does that look like? You know, how do we plant seeds? I mean, do we, do we follow the example of Paul? And so when you get home today or you pull, go for, you know, go out for lunch or you go to the outlet mall and you get up, you know, stand on the hood of your car and start preaching? Is that what's, what it means to plant seeds? Or is it, like, does it only, are there, you know, kingdom seeds, is, is it only a kingdom seed when you say the name of Jesus in a conversation with someone? Or is it only a kingdom seed when you quote a scripture? Like, that's double kingdom seeds if you quote a scripture. Well, yes, those are planting seeds. Those are planting kingdom seeds, but it's way, way broader than that. Uh, it's you and I living life, interacting with others, right? Think of your spheres. We share how God has changed our lives, how knowing him has made a difference. We may use words or it may be with actions, Whenever we act in a way that reflects Jesus towards another human being, we are planting kingdom seeds. Now, here's what I, I thought I had when I was thinking about, you know, kingdom seeds. Have you ever seen those things, and uh, I don't know what they're called, but you know what I mean, where if someone's planting seed or grass seed and it's got like a hopper on it, right? You know what I mean? Yeah? Okay, look at the picture. We don't have a picture. But wouldn't it be super encouraging and wouldn't it be just really cool is if we, as we went about our lives rubbing up against people, you being a follower of Jesus, you being a witness at work, your neighborhood, wherever you go, wouldn't it be awesome if we could actually see the seeds, the kingdom seeds coming out of us and landing on people? Now, I don't know if that's weird, but I think that would be awesome. Right, so you're, 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 at, you're sitting, you know, at the water cooler or, you know, at the lunchroom at work and, you're, uh, and someone is sharing, there's been a crisis in their family and you lean over and you go, just a random name, Cindy, can I pray for you? <laughs> All these seeds, right, like that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll get it, you want it as your ringtone. <laughs> but wouldn't that be awesome? You, wouldn't that be encouraging to go, oh, if you saw that? Right, or someone sharing, sharing you know, a struggle and you, and you just say, you know what? Like I'm a Christian and, and in the Bible, God says that when we're worried, he says, give them to me because you can't carry them, but I can carry them, so give them to me. And when I'm freaked out about life, I just talk to him. And you know, it doesn't, doesn't fix everything, but I feel peace inside. And it lands on someone or actions, right? I mean, just think of all the ways that those seeds are coming out. And wouldn't that just be awesome to see them landing on people? And sometimes you see the results right away. They land and poof. 
Here comes a plant. And sometimes, and this is the hard part, sometimes it takes years before you see anything break through the, the, the ground and, and, and uh, see growth. And so think of this last week of your life. That sounds serious. Let me say that again. Think of this last week, okay, not of your life. You're going to live longer, okay? Think of just, you know, go through it in your mind, the conversations, the, 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 just the people you bumped into, the, just whatever you experienced this last week. I mean, could you see times where, where those seeds were being planted, those kingdom seeds, conversations? Now, we could do a whole other message on there's other seeds you can plant that aren't kingdom seeds, and they, don't, they grow weeds, that's another message, but let's focus on kingdom seeds. But just think about your week. And now think of all the, all the prayers and all the conversations and all those actions and, to, and to how awesome it is to now leave them with God and leave the results with Him. Only He now, He takes over after the seeds have been planted and, and He's the one that makes it grow and brings uh, impact through those seeds. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 8, uh, and this is a longer section here. Paul and Barnabas are continuing their, their journey. Verse 8 says this. Here we go. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, Stand up on your feet. At that the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he, left all, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Okay, we'll stop there. This happened to me last week. No. Okay. You know, again, <laughs> again, Paul, you know, they roll into town and they, they, they start, you know, uh, planting kingdom seeds. He starts preaching. There's a gathering of people and all these seeds are flying out and some of them land on the heart of this lame man and there's immediate results. Faith is stirred up, and it's like God's going, this guy, this guy, there's something going on with this guy, and Paul sees it, and he you know, says this awesome prayer, stand up on your feet, try that one out someday, but he prays, and the people, this miracle happens, and the people just go crazy, right? There's this amazing response, and I know some of the commentaries I was looking at this week said that Paul and Barnabas, they didn't know this Lyconian language, and so they're seeing the, res the, the results, and they're like, awesome, we're going to have a huge harvest here. They didn't know that, that, that the people were, they weren't excited about God. They were excited about Paul and Barnabas. And it wasn't until you know, the crowd's moving down towards this uh, temple of Zeus and they're seeing the bull and the reeds and, and, 
they, they, they clue in. It's like, oh, oh, wait a minute here. You guys are missing the point. And, and talking about results, and here's where I want to go with this story. Sometimes people think that the results came from us, right? So number two in your, in your notes is this, signposts versus destination. <clears throat> so 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, if you're familiar with those chapters, makes it real clear that God has given gifts to everyone, right? The Holy Spirit has gifted everyone, and sometimes those gifts show themselves in really spectacular ways, like this. I mean, how awesome is that? Get up, and he gets up. <clears throat> but the purpose of gifts are to point people to Jesus. The gifts and abilities that we've been given, the gifts and abilities that think of the great people you know that, that you admire, the gifts and abilities that God's given them are signposts. Their purpose is to point people to the destination, which is God. That is the whole purpose of those gifts. So, for instance, if, if we're driving at Disney World, and we've been driving for hours, and we're getting into... Uh, Georgia, and you're driving along, and all of a sudden you look, and there by the road is a massive sign, a Disney World sign. Like nobody pulls off and goes, yes, the sign. Look at the Disney sign. Like nobody's impressed by the sign. No one gets a family picture by the Disney sign, right? That's not the purpose. The purpose of the Disney sign is to encourage you that you're going the right way. You're on the right path. The purpose of that sign is to, is to remind you again why you're driving 16 hours to go to this place, right? Oh, yeah, it does look cool, doesn't it? Right? And, and, to, and, and the purpose of the sign, the purpose of that signpost is to stir up a desire for that place. You see Mickey and you see those $40, you know, rain ponchos that you buy, right? And it's like, and it stirs up a desire for that. Well, we are signposts we're signposts and our job is to point people to Jesus but what we see in the story is something that that the enemy that the devil uh, has been doing since Genesis 3 right one of the things that the, one of the works of the enemy uh, is to do everything he can to distract drive a wedge blind us to the work and presence of God Right, so, so maybe, uh, so like Tom, I'll use you, okay? I'll get you a cookie afterwards if you're, if you're a good participant today. So, so, you know, Tom says something to me and it's like literally God is speaking through me and it's, you know what I mean? And, and God is shining through you. And what the enemy wants to do is he either wants to blind me not to see it or if, if he sees me, you know, catching on to it, it's like he wants to deflect my eyes off of, of, what, of what God is doing onto Tom. So it's like, oh, no, no, don't look at Tom. Like, how great is Tom? Does that make sense? He wants to get our attention off of God and get it on to people. And here's the thing. If God has used someone in your life, yes, they've been obedient to speak or to act, but what's impacted you or changed you is the Holy Spirit working through that person. We can only plant seeds. If I say anything today that changes your life, I'd love to get a card because I'd love to hear about it. But I am very aware that that is the Holy Spirit speaking through me. Because I'm just, right? I'm just, okay, you know what I'm saying. More stuff. But I'm just planting seeds. But what is it in our humanity that we get caught up with people? 
And we, we run to people. I remember years ago, like 20, I don't know, 25, 20, you know, many years ago as a young worship leader, someone gave me a cassette tape. That'll give you an idea how long ago it was. Someone gave me a cassette tape of this worship leader named Carl Tuttle. And if you've been in the vineyard for a while, you'll recognize that name. I think he was, if not the, one of the first worship leaders in the vineyard movement. And I listened to that cassette, and I remember sitting there thinking, oh, Carl Tuttle is awesome. Just his voice and the authority and the power. And as a young worship leader, I remember thinking, if I could just get Carl Tuttle to pray for me, if I could get Carl Tuttle to lay his hands on me, I would take off as a worship leader. So a few months later, a bunch of us went down to Anaheim for a, for a, uh, for a conference. And, and when, you know, we're down there in the first session, and we're you know, doing what we do in conferences. And, and I'm looking for Carl Tuttle, because i gotta, you know, I got to get Carl Tuttle. And I see him on the stage, and I'm like, yes, there's Carl Tuttle. He looks different in person, but okay. So I, I, you know, at the end of this session, I go make my way through the people, and I go up to Carl Tuttle, and I introduce myself, and I said, uh, uh, would you please pray for me, right? Would you lay your hands on me and pray for me? And my hunch is, looking back, that God nudged Carl Tuttle and said, there's something unhealthy about this young man's request. Because I, I don't remember exactly what he said, and I don't know if he was just lying to me, but he said, you know what, man, I don't have time right now. I gotta go get set up for a workshop, and he walked away. And I was like, oh. And so then, you know, uh, the next day, I did the same thing. Hey, Carl, Carl, uh, it's me, Michael again. Could you... Could you pray for me? And again, I don't remember what he said, but literally, he blew me off again. Nope, I gotta go do something. And then it's the last day of the conference. You know, it would have been a great hallmark. I saw him in the hallway, and I'm like, Carl, you know, I'm running, I'm running down. And no joke, I went up to him, I said, hey, it's the last day, could you pray for me? And he's a big man, and he literally turned around and faced me, and he said, look, man, I'm not gonna pray for you. If you wanna grow as a worship leader, he said, fuck. He said, fall, fall in love with Jesus. You want to be a great worship leader, you get to know Jesus. And he walked away. And I've been angry ever since. <laughs> but, <laughs> but what is it in us, in humans, that I would rather run to you than to the creator of the heavens and the earth? than the one that literally is keeping us alive right now. What is it in us that we would run to people more than God? And here, I'm sure there's lots of reasons, but here's three. Number one is this, real simple. We can see people. I mean, like, I believe God is here, totally here, but I don't see him. And it's like, I don't feel him, but I see you, and you know what? I could go up and I could feel you, and that's hard. I don't know about you, but that's hard to follow an invisible God. Number two, uh, we get an immediate response from a person. I go up to you and ask you a question, ping, I get an answer. I go up to you and I, up to you and I share, hey, I'm struggling in this area of my life, boom, I get advice, you know, uh, you might pray for me, but with God, many times, doesn't it seem like, uh, it's sort of like your caller number 7,425,633. And the wait time is four years, six months. And it's like, oh, it's just so, it just seems like, come on. Doesn't it seem that way? But with people, it's right away. 
Or the third one, final one, and, and uh, I'm speaking more of myself, but I don't think I'm alone. Why we'd rather run to people before God is we're lazy. And I would rather go to you. I'd rather go to someone who's walked that road or who's fought that battle. I'd rather go to you than let, than let God take my hand and lead me through to walk that road or lead me through that battle. I'd rather, you know, you do the work for me. Listen to this quote. Uh, if you're a Dallas Willard fan, this is a great quote. He said, grace is opposed to earning. It is not opposed to effort. Right? Grace, the grace of God is whoosh. It's free for everyone. But this whole thing of a relationship with God and learning to walk with God and learning to be a witness, it takes effort. Effort on our part. Right, if you're trying to build a relationship with Jesus on a three-minute-a-day quiet time, quiet, you know, I've seen that in a, in a bookstore, three minutes a day. I'm like, I don't know, what do you expect? It takes effort. It takes effort to, to grow in your relationship with God. And here's the thing. See, the enemy doesn't want us to connect with God because he knows when a human being connects with their maker, Nothing's impossible. Nothing's impossible. And see, he will, he will work overtime. He would rather us be in awe of signposts and totally miss the destination. That's where we were. So let's, let's finish off. I want to make sure I get to all this. Let's jump to, Laura, Laura we're going to jump to verse 21 of chapter 14. So now they're on the homeward stretch, Paul and Barnabas. <clears throat> so they preached the gospel in that city. I think it was Derby. they're just coming from, and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came into Pamphylia, and when they had reached the, uh, preached the word in Perga, they went down to uh, Adalia. From Adalia, they sailed back to Antioch, back to home base, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time. Now how, you know, this whole thing of, you know, being farmers that, okay, we know our part and we know, you know, the results are out of our control. How awesome would that have been for Paul and Barnabas? They're on this, this you know, this journey and, they've, and they, they, you know, there's these towns they'd previously gone through and all these seeds that had been planted. How awesome would that have been on the way home to come through there and see these churches growing? Like, I mean, there's a harvest already. I mean, such, these, churches, these churches were growing so much that they had to appoint elders to lead them and such that. And, but what I want to focus on to end off today is that phrase, door of faith. And, you know, when Paul and Barnabas, they get back with the church in Antioch, they get back to the people who had sent them who were saying, okay, so tell us, how did it go? Uh, Paul uses this phrase, door of faith, to describe the results. And basically, you know, what he means by a door of faith is like, we went out and it was literally like God went ahead of us and just opened this door of faith, meaning there was this incredible openness. It's like people's hearts, so many people's hearts, the ground was broken up and just ready for the seeds, that, these kingdom seeds that we were going to plant. And he was, you know, Paul is saying that 
what happened on this journey was totally the work of God. He opened a door that would have been impossible for us to open. It had such impact on Paul that in future letters, he's actually saying to people, please pray this very thing for us. Colossians 4 verse 2 says this. He, uh, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. He's saying, he, you know, he's so aware of how important and necessary it was this, in this whole thing of results and change and, 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 and the response to the message that he's saying, pray for us that God would open a door. And here's where I'm going to end off today. Is that I know that this morning there are people here that you have planted seeds. You've planted kingdom seeds and it's in, you know, in, in people's lives or in situations and you have been in this place of waiting and waiting and waiting. And you're watching the ground and you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're getting discouraged, you're getting weary of is anything ever gonna burst through the ground in this person's life? You know, whoever's coming to mind right now. Is anything ever gonna burst through the ground in this situation? That we've, uh, that we've been praying for and, and, and leaning into. And, and, you know, waiting, waiting is a hard thing. Because there's something about when you're waiting, it's so easy when, uh, that when all you can see is what's not happening, when all you can see is what's not changing, isn't it just so easy to go right to this place of questioning whether or not God is doing anything in this situation? Right? Isn't it? Waiting just stirs up. It makes it really hard to have faith that God is at work. And Paul experienced this. But listen to what he wrote in one of his letters. In 1 Corinthians 16, it says, uh, But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. And here's the part. Because a great door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many who oppose me. And I don't know about you, but when I read that, I go, Wait a minute. That... Isn't that a contradiction? That he says this great door, this door of faith, this work that only God can do, this, this openness to the message, this great door, this effective work has opened up and there is great opposition. See, and to me what we can learn from that is uh, pushback, struggle, waiting doesn't mean that God hasn't opened a door in someone's life. The opposition doesn't mean that God has, has, is, isn't there and isn't working in that situation or person. And what we want to do to end off today is I believe that there's people here that you are weary. There are hard things in your life that have been chronic. And what we want to do is we want to gather around you. And the picture I have is have people just lift you up. And we want to pray specifically for you that God would open a door a door of faith in that person's life, that God would open a door, a door of faith in that situation. And you know, I wish I had three easy steps to speeding God up, but I don't. And really, until we're done on planet Earth, waiting and believing in hard places is gonna be the journey. It's the, it's the, it's the road that we're gonna have to walk. So why don't we stand up, uh, Pam, if you can come on up.
you know, all week, uh, I just kept having a sense that God wants to minister to people who are in hard places, impossible places. And, and uh, I'm going to invite you forward for prayer here in a sec, but specifically, um, the people that came to mind were parents who have struggling kids. Parents who have wayward kids. Maybe your kids are being bullied. Maybe, you know, just parents who have kids that are either making, you know, not great choices, but they're in hard places. Or maybe you're a grandparent here today, and you've got a grandchild that's in a hard place, and that's struggling. And I specifically, we want to pray for you because God wants to encourage you uh, and remind you today that he knows that child that he's pursuing that child and that he is at work in that child's life. And so in a sec here, I'll call you up forward for prayer. And then I have just uh, one physical thing. Anyone here today that has breathing, any breathing issues, allergies, asthma? I, I only started in the A's. But if you have any breathing issues, we would love to pray for you because I feel like God has pointed you out today. And, and really, if anyone has any illness, we, we love praying for the sick. We love, to, we love to throw some kingdom seeds on you and leave the results uh, in God's hands. Laura, do you have a comment? Uh, speaking of being in hard places, I just have um, a word of encouragement. I have an orchid on my kitchen table that I've had since Mother's Day, but I've had to prune all of the blooms off, and there haven't been any blooms for at least the last month. So it's just this pot with just like this stem with nothing on it for the last month. And I, and I know that I keep feeding it, I keep putting my little ice cubes in it, and I, I, know, I know that it's not dead because the leaves are green all the way to the end. So every time I feed it, I feel, I hear the Lord speak to me saying that it will bloom again. And I keep getting frustrated and I wanna throw it out, but God says that it's going to bloom again. So I just yeah. thought that would encourage. Yeah, that's very encouraging. Thanks, Laura. So Pam's going to lead us in a song. If, if you fit in that, any of those categories, or if you just want prayer for anything, we love to pray for people. So come on forward. As people come forward, let's make sure uh, someone's praying for everyone that comes forward. But uh, yeah, we want to lift you up if you're in a, in a hard place today. Make sure everyone has someone praying for them. Show me how much you love humility. Oh, Spirit, be the star that leads me to the God. And you, you are, are the God, God of the broken, the friend of the weak. You, you wash the feet of the weary, embrace the ones in need. I want to be like 
Jesus to have this heart in me. You are the God of the humble. You are the humble King. Oh, kneel me down again here at your feet. Show me thank you for all the just all the ways you're coming close right now and I just had this verse come to my mind it says it's out of Psalm 56 56 it says you keep track of all my sorrows you have collected all my tears in, a, in your bottle you have recorded each one in your book and I just pray comfort especially for those today that are in hard places especially for those who whether it's a child or a grandchild, I, I just bless all the tears or that not one falls that you're not aware of. And I pray for, you would just encourage us today, remind us again that you, that the results are in your hands and that you're a God who is always at work. Lord, strengthen our faith. Strengthen our faith. Stir in us just a... a, a, a just a greater confidence that you're doing what you say you're doing, Lord. Just thanks for your presence here. Thank you for each one. I pray as we head off and get back into the root, our different routines that you would watch over us, protect us. But we thank you for your presence here today. and uh, just We trust ourselves in your hands. In Jesus' name, amen.